Folks, our first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant, is now available for you to learn at your own pace for just 50 euros, and it comes with a certificate upon completion. Go to mapperforward.coffee forward slash workshops or click the link in the show notes for more details. Support this podcast by supporting our sponsors. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and joining me for episode four of our five-part series is Lena Parker, uh, talking about energy security, energy transitioning, energy, 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 with relation to the coffee value, ch- coffee supply chain, not the coffee value chain. Um, Lena, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Lee. Again, supernatural. I really appreciate that approach. Thank you, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> in today's episode, we are talking about the about energy transitioning. So, why don't you remind us what energy transitioning is, and then we can talk about how it relates to the coffee industry. So, um, energy transition. I think also you mean energy security as well. So, energy transition is the the move from <clears throat> the move to more renewable energy sources. Mm-hmm. Um, Typically, when we talk about energy, we're talking about uh, electricity and gas and anything that creates electrons. Um, and that process that all countries in the world are going through as they're making that transition to more more renewable, low-emission sources. Mm-hmm. And energy security being um, ways that while we're going through that transition, how... Uh, people who are users of electricity can make sure that they have reliable sources of electricity. Right. So in the last episode, we were talking about the the different kinds of infrastructure that exist in the coffee supply chain, whether we're talking yeah. about the way that producers are picking in Brazil versus the way that mills are processing uh, coffee in Colombia. So Colombia is a really interesting example because every smallholder coffee producer has what's called a washing station uh, on their on their farm. So in other countries, you'll have a washing station that's communal. Uh, and a lot of producers will take their coffee to the washing station, whereas in Colombia, there's a washing station on every farm. Uh, then we trend, we talk about the the roasting process where that's heavily dependent on combustion as well. Uh, and we were talking about gas stoves and other different kinds of energy requirements that are necessary at the cafe level. So we are going to have to undergo a transition in the coffee industry in order to bring us to the required standards that the countries that these different uh, businesses exist in have to meet based on what their country has agreed to with regards to emissions, right? Mm. And and also what electricity they can actually get from their grids. Right. And and this is interesting in a country like Rwanda or Burundi or, or in Ethiopia where their dependency on energy um, is – is not the same as or the access let me say to energy is nowhere near the same as the access that they have in a country like brazil or colombia uh Mm. or in coffee producing regions like hawaii you know Mm. all of these kinds of things are going to be incredibly challenging and what we want to talk about now is how like what is involved in that process of energy transition i think 
I think we've got to separate out the different um, problems. Okay. And so um, the way that I talk to, to executives about this challenge is I start with the meter because typically it comes, it starts with cost, right? Mm-hmm. So your electricity or gas meter, let's just for simplification use the electricity meter. Um, so your electricity meter effectively counts how much electricity you use from the electricity grid in most countries. I know that there are some countries that people find funky ways to bypass it, um, but let's just use Australia as the example. And so there is a challenge because the most of the electricity that, that comes in from the meter uh, is from 70% of that comes from coal. There is a whole industry, predominantly the energy industry, is focused on shoring up the supply as that coal supply goes away, and that's called in front of the meter. Mm-hmm. So anything that goes into the meter is called in front of the meter. So there are utility-scale solar farms and big battery farms and wind farms onshore and offshore. There is investment in hydrogen. There is investment in a whole other range of ways to get the electricity that's going into your meter that you use Mm -hmm. to be renewable, right? Okay. That's not the problem that I think the coffee industry needs to focus on and every industry. So then if there is a front of the meter, then there is something called behind the meter. Mm -hmm. And that means creating a way that everything that you do behind the meter either reduces your need for the electricity that you're using in the meter Mm -hmm. or creating energy sources that don't touch the meter. So if, for example, you're in your home and you have a solar system and a battery. Mm -hmm. If that solar system that you have is enough to for anything that you will use, Mm -hmm. right? So let's say you have an EV as well, Mm -hmm. and when you come home from work in your electric vehicle, your battery has been taking electricity from your solar system and is full, you can charge that overnight and not use any electricity from the grid. Mm-hmm. You then effectively you have a very low reliance on the grid for your EV and for everything in the house on the grid. So mm-hmm. your primary energy source is your solar system and the grid is a backup. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm, absolutely. Right. So you can take that same and what you've also done Before you put your solar system in, you went through your house and and put in things that were much more energy efficient than Mm -hmm. previously. And a great example, a great example of this is lighting, right? Mm -hmm. So you changed all of your old halide globes to Mm -hmm. LED lighting, which use at least 80% Less, less electricity than previously. And one of the main uses of electricity in a house is lighting. But it's also your washing machines and your stoves and all of that kind of stuff, right? So so as you replace those assets, you replace them with more energy-efficient assets. Mm-hmm. 
So can you see how just by changing your behavior in a certain way and with a small amount of investment, um, you can actually bring down your overall right. behind the meter usage, right? For, so that's mm -hmm. why we start with reducing energy consumption. Okay. However, when someone's going to write in to you and say, but electric vehicles increase demand on electricity and they do because you're now adding another source of electricity that you didn't have before because it was using petrol. Mm -hmm. But why the world is moving to electric vehicles is because it displaces a fossil fuel with electricity. Say that again, it replaces a fossil fuel. Okay, so we're getting really rid of the emissions. The emissions. Okay. Right. But what we are doing is we are seeing that we are the world will increase its use of electricity into the future. It just has to happen because everything that I just said to you, mm -hmm. right, is going to you're going to take gas stoves away. You're right. going to take boilers away. You know, heating systems, heating and cooling systems will go away. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and they will use more energy. So the first step is to find ways to actually reduce electricity. So all of these farms that are 24 by 7 that you have within your industry that are in these massive warehouses that have lighting all through them and cooling and heating all through them, replacing them with LEDs as, as an example is a great step. And, by the way, they last a ridiculous amount of time compared to a halide globe. Like for every one time that you have to replace a normal halide or whatever the mm -hmm. um, thing is, it's about eight times um, compared to a LED light. Well, I want to use a, a, a coffee example here if that's okay. Sure. So, uh, again, I need to credit the person who helped. I did not understand this before. We were preparing for this episode. So this is this wisdom is not coming from me. I'm not a coffee roaster. And I don't want people to think that I know anything about coffee roasting beyond the very fundamentals by expressing this. So um, we have these smaller sample roasters that are electric, right? Mm -hmm. But when you're roasting coffee on them, if you were to touch them, you would burn your hand. Yeah. Right? And there are a lot of these small, like up to let's say five kilo roasting machines, they are fully electric, a lot of them. And a lot of small cafes or small roasters with, you know, cute little businesses are using these kinds of roasters and operating them all the time. But when you touch them and they're getting super hot, it means that they're not really as energy efficient as they could be because they're letting off a lot of heat, which is not getting used for anything and it's getting wasted. Whereas when you look at these huge, big, massive roasting machines that are operating day and night you know one and a half tons uh their, their capacity is one and a half tons of green coffee you can walk up to them and they are at room temperature they're at ambient temperature which means that they are much more they're either insulated or they're much more energy efficient than the smaller counterparts so the challenge is going to be there we don't have any technology even though they're much more energy efficient than the little ones, we don't have the technology at this point of time that can transition us from those big roasters to uh, something that emits less uh, carbon. But at the same time, we have this other problem where the smaller machines that are completely electric are not efficient. They're using too much energy. So... 
One of the things that excites me about the conversations that you and I have been having is, uh, as I, I sit across all industries, mm-hmm. right, that um, my organisation services and coffee is not one of them. But what I have started to realise is there is technology in some industry that actually services a need in the other. And that's what I think is going to be exciting for you. And an example that I have mm-hmm. um, is <clears throat> digesters. And if we use the example of commercial coffee mm-hmm. and there will be waste product that comes from that commercial co- coffee. Wait, hold on. I've got to ask what a digester is. I'm so sorry. I'm just about to tell you. Okay. Yeah, I'm just about to tell you. Take it easy. Um, <laughs> Lee's favourite phrase, take it easy. Um, so uh, so what, a di- what a digester does is it takes a whole lot of product and it transfers it, it digests it, and it turns it into something else. And so as an example, in the water industry, mm-hmm. um, the, the once you process water and you clean it, sewage, so um, wastewater, sewage mm-hmm. water, you take that, you clean it, you clean that water, um, and it goes through a process and it creates water that can be used for another for something else, right? Mm-hmm. It basically cleans it. What's left over is called, um, I call it sludge. It's called, um, it's got it's a mud. scientific name. They call it, they, they call it uh, mud. Um, thermal biosolids is actually the term, okay. the term that all of our water people tell me to use. But that thermal biosolid is very calorific, mm-hmm. right, because it's just waste product and it still has a lot of calorie in it. So what they do is they put it into a digester Mm-hmm. And that digester processes it and all of the gas that is used is actually now a renewable energy source. Okay. And so it is used for part to of the To replace like the kind of gas you get part from of, fracking. No, uh, it is used as electricity into the process. Oh, electricity rather than the same way that natural right. gas would be used. So it is a, a now a renewable energy source. Mm-hmm. And so if... If I think about some of the examples that you have been talking about both through this series and, and outside, there are waste products from commercial coffee, right? Mm-hmm. A lot. Um, I don't know what they are, but I can imagine through um, just you know, the processing have, cascara and, and, and other things. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so that could all be used to feed digesters that could go into those uh, processes that you were talking about to actually mm. feed electricity into them and that would all be behind the meter okay so here's the problem with that right N- not a problem uh, uh, all of Other these solutions things- personally and not a problem <laughs> yeah go ahead my clients would tell you so is lee <laughs> anyway i would t- i would tell you so is lee yeah anyway so here's where the interesting challenge lies uh within yeah. this As we were saying in the last episode, the coffee industry is an industry that operates on high volume but razor-thin margins. Yeah. And we have a lot of businesses that are operating as zombie businesses without even realising that they're zombie businesses, right? Yeah. Now we're asking them to transition at a time when global economics are rather challenging and yep. interest rates are, you know, scaring people away from borrowing money in order yep. to invest in their business. 
Energy so, prices are going through, to add to that, energy prices are going through the roof. Right. And, and there isn't a single jurisdiction that I'm aware of globally yeah. that does not have um, energy prices, electricity Inflation. or gas, and gas is, is going at a much higher rate following the, um, the war in Ukraine because Russia has so much of the supply mm-hmm. uh, that, that those prices are escalating. And so that is a significant contributor to what you're talking about. Right. And so, and if I can anticipate your question, which is how do they manage to, um, to navigate their way through the energy transition and through shoring up their own energy security in times when, when, um, when profits, um, are diminishing, Mm -hmm. uh, and are uncertain. Mm hmm. Was that where you were going? A hundred percent. So, so the one thing that um, I, I would start with finding, you know, you, finding ways to to improve your energy efficiency through those technologies that I was talking about, and they're not expensive. They've been around for a long time. You know, LEDs have been around since the nineteen fifties. I think I wasn't around then, but uh, let's go with that. It's not a new technology. They have been around for ages, right? Right, except a coffee rel- producer, that's not going to, sorry to interrupt you there, but a coffee producer isn't looking at LED lighting as making any real significant change in the energy that transition that they're going to need to make when they've got this huge big, um, yeah. let's call it a tractor for, for lack of yeah. a better term. But yeah. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars per piece of equipment yeah. that's going to be required. Like the capital investment, call. given yeah. that ag loans particularly, the interest rates on ag loans are somewhere between 30 to 50%. Yeah, but you, you try and get an ag loan mm-hmm. for a, a $300,000 piece of equipment in 10 years that runs off diesel. It's not going to happen. Right, and that's the point. The point is that the technology has to accelerate from whoever is manufacturing this stuff. They have to already be working on a way to electrify it. Okay. So there's going to be blo- things that block them anyway. Th- yeah. There's, there's like I be... used the example before about um, car manufacturers. Right. Right? Car manufacturers are just going to stop manuf- – already have announced that they're going to stop manufacturing combustion engines in the next 10 to 15 years, some sooner. Mm-hmm. Right, but but my point is, it's it's going to take a range of solutions. You have to start with understanding, and it is mind-boggling how many people do not understand how much electricity they use or how much gas that they right. use. It has to start by Reducing. understanding how much ha- understanding how much you use, mm-hmm. and and for bigger. Uh, producers, bigger organizations putting in meters to help you understand where smart meters that help you understand where you're using your electricity is a really good place to start mm-hmm. um, if it's worth the investment. But then if it's one meter going into the, the thing, that's a, that's a great place to start even. Just understand it first and then start to get a, a – Understand your estate, understand your asset. What is it that is draining um, your electricity? What are you being charged for electricity? If if people are finding ways to reduce their consumption, understand your bills. Understand when your tariffs are high, understand when they're low, and how can you shift processes within your manufacturing uh, or, or, or other 
things, if it's not manufacture, to low periods and not do it during the peak periods. That's the place to, that's all low hanging fruit that you can start with. Right. Replacing your lighting, um, turning off your air conditioning, putting it, you can buy these sensors that are like two bucks each, right? From, from most stores and you can put it into offices, into warehouses that just, if there's no foot traffic in that area mm-hmm. and it connects into the circuit board, it just turns the lights off. Right. That's the sort of stuff I'm talking about, and you would be absolutely astounded how much electricity is being wasted. Right. We're going to head into the next episode where we're going to talk about uh, how we're going to get started, and it sounds like we've already started that conversation, but how we're going to get started in getting people moving in thinking about the way that they can start identifying the ways that they can begin in in the industry of the transition to towards energy security and uh yeah we're gonna okay because the whole (laughs) folks just so that you know (laughs) you're an idiot lena (laughs) hey i'm not an idiot you're not she's really not but the reason look when noah was on the podcast noah and a lot of guests struggle to do this right like when i say peace love and peanut butter they usually like say bye too late and Lena has let Noir did the same thing Lena has been struggling so she's been trying to anticipate I I am not worthy to be compared to Noir man he's a rock star so please don't he he is but you're absolutely on par there um but so anyway we're going to head into the next episode where we're going to try and tie everything together okay so Lena get ready please bye bye (laughs) Peace, love, and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day. Bye. Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Map It Forward, head to mapitforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.